everybody, and welcome to episode 27 of the Gold Card Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Vince Colotti, at Gelati LOL. With me tonight, as usual, is John George at the Sports Plug. How are we doing, everybody? Uh, Chris Chung at Prime Time. Hello, hello. And unfortunately, without us this week is Calvin T at Ruler Arsama had some work stuff come up and actually is unable to make it tonight. We had a little bit of a late start tonight, so understandable in this case, unlike last week. <laughs> we got to break his balls for last week, right? <laughs> so, uh, not too many games on the slate this week as we're rounding up the playoffs in all the regions and in you know North America, we are done now. So, we're going to have uh, LEC, LPL, and LCK to talk about. But before we dive into that, I thought we'd just recap some of last week's... Uh, what a ridiculous weekend. Like, I, I, I don't know how else to put it, but uh, anybody that was on these dogs, I bow down to you because that was it was it was a pretty unbelievable weekend. Uh, just in general, like I don't I don't think pretty much what what one match went as we expected. This is a good spot actually for a, like a, a small side topic that I think is important for people to hear about, which is and I had a little bit of a conversation on Twitter about this, like I was mentioning to you guys earlier. But <clears throat> when an upset happens, that doesn't always mean that you should have been on the other side. We've Agreed. kind of talked about this a little bit Agreed. before. It doesn't always mean that they were the better team. So let me. This is the question I'm going to ask you guys. If we're one of the matches we're going to talk about, IG and LNG, uh, LNG winning three zero against IG. If those two teams play tomorrow. Is that, what are your odds? What do you put the odds at if they play again tomorrow? Well, that depends on if IG are going to play their championship-winning five or if they're going to clown around for the first two. I don't want to say clown around, but, like, I thought it was way disrespectful to start the subs. But I would cap it, like, probably what it was. And that's, that's like, the only small point I wanted to make is, like, just because a result happens doesn't mean that that's the result that was likely to happen. And it doesn't mean that you made a bad bet if you were on the wrong side. I see a lot of people, they come out of the woodwork after those losses. And I'm not calling out uh, Kelsey Moser, who I was having the conversation with, but a lot of other people is like, somebody will come out of the woodwork and be like, I bet on LNG and I knew it was going to happen. And like, stop it, man. Yeah, where, are you at the, where were you at the other like 800 bets this season, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, where, where are you at like, yeah, if you just pick the huge underdogs, you're going to be right sometimes. But like... Just because something happened doesn't mean that's what was likely to happen. So it's a uh, it's uh, you know it's kind of like a recurring theme, right? Because uh, it's a recurring theme, uh, results oriented thinking, right? It's yeah. kind of a, res- a recurring theme uh, in the betting aspect of things, and we've talked about it a lot for like solo queue and in in when whenever you're doing any kind of activity that's a high variance activity, right? Uh, whether it's climbing a ladder, playing poker. Uh, betting, driving to work every day. Like this anytime you're doing any kind of high variance activity, you need to be able to like try to remove yourself from the results and look at the big picture of things and how things are going and I think I mean if these teams played 10 series, I think LNG maybe wins one. Maybe. Yeah, I think yeah, one or two series. And if, if even with IG coming in pretty disrespectfully, I still don't think LNG wins that often. I think there was kind of a comedy of of errors with 
them making multiple substitutions during the series, which never should have happened. When they I lost agree. game one with Duke, they should just go to the starting five and they should play them for the rest of the series. Yeah, because Leanne was absolutely... We should. We might as well just talk about this. Like, yeah, we'll talk right about that series so, while we're discussing it. I mean, yeah. We might as well just like go right into it. So, so IG, LNG, uh, LNG get the 3-0 upset. I, so Invictus didn't run their starting five until game three. They ran Duke... Was it Duke and... Ning started Duke. game one. It was Duke and Ning in game one. And then Leon and the Shy. And Duke and Leon. Or no, then the Shy and Leon. And then they did the Shy and Ning. Uh, yeah. And so if you watch this series, you, you kind of saw the mental breakdown happening as the series went on. Because game one, like game one was pretty competitive. Like it was a close game. Uh, LNG had a cut. There, there were a bunch of really close fights that could have gone either way. Game two, I. Game two, I just thought Leon got dumpstered. Like yep. SOFM was outstanding in this series. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll give him a lot of credit. Well, well, SOFM and Fen Fen were ridiculously good in this series, and Asura was too. He was really really good. But yeah, there were so many close fights. But I think like Leon was really bad in game two. Like, wh- what are you invading their blue buff as Karthus with no support from your lanes for? Yep, it was like it was like eight nine minutes into the game, like the second blue buff spawn or whatever it was, and like. It was, I guess, it was later than that. It was like ten or eleven. But like, what, what are you, what are you doing? What are you looking to accomplish? You got three people missing off the map, and your lanes are in no position to help you. Like, why are you there? Like, he wasn't even warding. He yep, just like rolled it, up and got killed. It's like, and uh, especially with a team that's already as high variance as IG is, it's it, their main roster of five. I already expected to drop a game. If they had started the five starters, I would expect them to drop a game because they're just a high variance team. And so I definitely think you're right. It's disrespectful to run the subs when your main starting five isn't even super consistent. Yeah. I, now, I think if they run the starting five the whole series, they win 3-1, which is what I was predicting. Yeah. Um, but, the yeah, the point of the initial argument we were making is just because LNG won that series doesn't mean LNG should have been a favorite. It doesn't mean everybody should have seen it coming. Things happen, man. Yeah, exa- exactly. And that, that's that's the best way to put it. Like, I mean... Sometimes you roll a so if you if you roll a die a twenty sided die sometimes you're gonna roll a one or a two and that's kind of what this was to me uh, and I think by like by game three when you saw the the, the full starting five for Invictus uh, there was that that mid two v two in game three like really early on was so so close like so yeah, I remember ridiculously that. close and that goes one way maybe IG blow that game open and they very well could have gone the other way. Like they could have reverse swept the series. It wouldn't have surprised me at all. No. But because it didn't, you saw that happen and you saw the bottom lane do this like weird tilt off where they basically let a Sora two V one them. Uh it was just uh, the, the 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 series got away from IG like really, really badly. Uh, I, I honestly so their their chances of making worlds now are are not in their own hands anymore, correct? Um they're still gonna have a gauntlet. Yeah, right? so yeah. they still play the gauntlet. As far as getting in on championship points, I believe they need I, uh, RNG to beat top and lose in the finals. I'm checking right now. If, if RNG beat top and then lose in the finals, then FPX will get in from summer. They'll get in on championship points yeah. is the way that I, uh, that I remember it. But if top, beats, uh, if top beats RNG, then top's championship points overtake them. Yeah, so if top lose this week and FPX win final win summer, that's what it is, right? 
Yeah, which might be the most likely thing. I think yeah. the only real argument there is who's going to win between RNG and Top, which is one of my favorite matches of the week. Yeah. Uh, but I think FPX is going to win Summer, so that'll at least take them out of the the run. Yeah, so it's just kind of wild to think about, like, this team. That we on- I think we honestly thought they were, like, mailing it in a little bit. Not, like, mailing it in, but, like, they were taking a break, trying to avoid burnout. Right. And uh, they didn't step on the gas fast enough. I, I kind of think that they're just getting put. I don't want to blame management for this because I get it. You know, like I understand what they were trying to do, but I think they they played with fire a little too much and got burned. Right. Like yeah, I, I thought so. I had no problem with what they were doing during the season. The problem I have is you. I don't care how bad you think LNG is relative to the rest of the league. I don't care how good you think your starters or your subs are, because maybe the subs were just killing it in scrims, and the starting five wasn't. That's like that's a, that's a possibility that I haven't seen anybody discuss at all. Yeah, it's possible. Like we don't know. Like I would love to be a fly on the wall and see that. I doubt that was the case. I'm pretty sure this was just them trying to get their future players, you know, some playoff experience. And that's exactly what it looked like to me. And I think Duke and Leon should not have been on the stage for this series at any point. Leon Leon looked really bad, like really really bad. And even Duke, like, I think Duke is a serviceable top laner, yeah. but you have the shy on your team and it's playoffs. Like, the shy should be in there. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, this was arrogant and they got punished for it. I, I honestly don't remember anybody being this brazen Yes, in a playoff series ever. Like, it, it's not like they had Worlds locked up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm sure they're going to try to play it off. Like, oh, yeah, we'll just run the goal. It's like, no, just shut up, dude. You, you screwed up. <laughs> like, that's they're not guaranteed anything in that gauntlet so exactly. they're, they're looking to face either top or rng one of them they're gonna meet yeah, yeah those, neither those of those are push or billy billy even like right so so in any case that was the uh, unfortunate lmg win there so do you want to stick we'll just stick with the lpl i guess so edg sooning yeah. um sooning got a game but this the series was yeah, three was. pretty dominant performances yeah. from edg yeah, I never felt like Sunning was in this series. Yeah. Uh, any other notes on this one? Um, Sunning impressed me this summer, I'll be honest. They, they got took it together. A, uh, the turnaround. The turnaround. We already yeah. talked last week how Sunning was like, we, it was a team that we've given up on after having great hopes for them. And then, you know, they make a comeback. They did the right thing. I was gonna say not too much on that. that. That was like one of the few. We're not gonna have too many notes on this one because that's like the basically how we all thought the series was gonna go. So this is like one of the few series we thought that went the way we thought it was gonna go this weekend. So we're gonna skip over this one a little bit. Uh, next up was EDG and Billy Billy. Um, I said before the cast, so I haven't I haven't gotten through all of my VOD review yet. I've covered most of the games, but EDG Billy Billy is one of the ones that I have not covered yet. So I'm going to lean on you guys for this one. Looks like kind of a slobber knocker. Is it as good as it looked? It was a really good series. And the thing that was interesting for me was when I was trying to decide who I thought was going to win this game or the series for, for DFS purposes and stuff, the, my thought process was Billy Billy has looked better than EDG for me. But every time that Billy Billy has come up against like higher quality teams, they've almost always choked for me. Like I, I've... I always look at them when they're playing against middle of the table and lower table teams, and I'm like, wow, this Billy Billy team is, like, really, really good. And then whenever they play against any, like, a top or an RNG or somebody like that, I'm always like, wow, this Billy Billy team sucks. Like, it seems like whenever they try to go up in competition, they just get smashed. So I ended up settling on EDG, 
because I think Billy Billy had looked better recently, but I thought they would come up against a tough piece of competition here and wilt, and they didn't. They played very well, and it was a, it was a really good series. And uh, Billy Billy takes the win, three to two. This is kind of wild that like every single one of these games was under thirty two minutes. Yeah, they were they were like they were beatdowns, but that was what was so cool about it was like it was literally back and forth beatdowns. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> oh, like, oh, okay. Well, EDG just runs away with it from here. Wait, oh, did Blue Side win every game in this series? I believe so. I believe the commentators were commenting on that. It looks like it because Billy Billy had side selection going into this, unless they chose. Actually, I, I, it's funny that happened because I just uh, Tim Tim Sevenhusen from uh, Oracle's Elixir was just posting some some data from today, and he was talking about how China's red side win rate is like absurd compared. To, it's just absurd in general. It's like it's, I think it was like sixty plus percent, and uh, it's kind of just weird to see like these two teams. I I, I got to look. I haven't. I don't actually. I can't really tell just looking at this right now. So. So this was a good series. I'm going to have to take a look at that one. Another one I didn't catch was RNG LNG. I haven't gotten to this one in my review yet. So um... A beat down. Just a beat down. And this is this is a really common cycle that we're about to see happen again. When a, when a big upset happens, it's really common for nobody talks about this team at all. Then they get a big upset and everyone's like, wow, they're actually way better than we thought. And then it turns out they were always just right here. They just something, the drafting or something happened in this other series that made them win it. But it turns out they were all from last year. Yeah, and and I think we we have a series that's going to be played uh, in Europe this week that is going to be a prime example of, of this, I think. But that's basically what happened. Like LNG just showed that well, they got a nice little upset there. They're not on the level of uh, of the really the best teams in the LPL. So so did they win? Let me see. They won game one. I'm assuming. RNG's going to be uh, going to be a tough competitor for top. That's one of the most interesting series coming up, I think. Yeah, let me see. Oh, LNG got game three. Okay, so that wasn't. Yeah, the game they were able to stall out, they they won because RNG took. What a weird! I, I'm going to have to review these. Some weird drafts by RNG, man. Yeah, well, I guess like the first one was weird. The game four was really really weird, like with well, the board wanna... and the Jarvan and the Rumble. It was weird, but they, they used them fairly well, and it felt really reminiscent to me of another series we're about to talk about. These SKT series are off the wall. Yeah. What the hell is going on with SKT? I'm, like, looking through these. Dude. Looking through, when I first wake up, looking through the highlights, <laughs> like, Quinn's flying around. Like, what is going on? So, so we can go. We'll, we'll stick in the East for now, so we'll just cover the two um, LCK series. So I, these I have watched. Um, I actually just watched them this afternoon, like, went over them. Actually, like, I just tweeting out some like notes I had from it. SKT Damwon was not it was a much closer series than a 3-0. Like I like it it was a 3-0 literally but the first two games were I, I don't was, they were like knife's edge. Could have gone either way. Like I just want to say like as as much as I've been putting Damwon down the last few weeks after they're just just terrible macro in the last like 3 or 4 weeks of the season. I love this team reminds me so much of Vitality where like they just have so much raw talent and they just have like no idea what to do sometimes but like they they always go down with a fight and they always punch back they never get rolled over like in so many of these situations they they identified immediately they were like okay we need to take a chance here like mm-hmm. and I don't know if that's just like instinct or I honestly think with this team it's not trained I think it's instinct like I think they just they just know that they have to fight their way out of some things right 
because SKT and Griffin kind of have this effect on everyone where it's like this looming like fear of like okay we need to fight back we need to do something before we just get choked out right and Damwon punched back in a couple of these games and it just made SKT look stupid in like the first couple games like there were a couple fights that were like dude what are you doing and then you just realize like okay this was just a decisive call by Damwon the first two games in this series were really really close the third one was an absolute SKT stunt I think they won in 25 minutes or something yeah but uh, kind of, it, it it was really weird because I think this is two high level teams, but you're you're you get to see something we we talked a little bit about like in the weeks prior. This was, you kind of got to see the veteran status come through, right? But it it was weird because to me, SKT and Dam like SKT looked like Damwon in this series. Like they come, they almost like took the identity. Like it's not that Damwon like slowed things down or anything, but SKT was just like, oh no, we're gonna we're gonna style, and not not even like di- disrespectfully, they were like, okay, we're just gonna rumble with you. Like we're not gonna we're not gonna do the typical SKT thing. Like they were scrapping, they were battling, they were they were taking fifty fifties, going for outplays. Like they looked they looked like Damwon. <laughs> like they weren't thinking about the big picture of things. Like they were just going. Uh. It just it was it, they were actually the first two games of this were ridiculously high level to me like just individually like just watching these t- these players go at it was like you, and then you got to see Faker on LeBlanc which is always just a pleasure. <laughs> uh, well, you let me ask you this: you you watched, you get the chance to, but at any point did you feel that SKT was in trouble? Because I didn't. I thought they um, were they find a way at the end. I kind of thought that they were going to get outscaled. In, let me see if it was the first game or the second game. I don't remember now because I just watched this this afternoon. It's all pretty fresh to me. One second, I gotta remember. I think it was the Quinn game. <clears throat> was Quinn against Dam One or Sandbox? No, it was against. Yeah, it, it was the first game. So the first game in this series, I kind of thought they were going to get outscaled, even though Renekton kind of gets outscaled and is just countered by Quinn. I kind of thought that they were like, if you look at this team, they they had Quinn, Silas, LeBlanc, Lucian, Braum, right? That's early. That's an early game team. This game went to forty three minutes. I like so. I don't. I don't care if you got the counter pick on the side lane or what. Like there was. I thought there was a reasonable chance they just get outscaled and lose a team fight at this point against Kiesaki on Talia, right? Uh, it turns out like they just knew that, and so this game ended up being like by Korean standards a pretty bloody game, right? So did game two because they understood they were like, okay, we got to put the foot on the gas, right? Yeah, I, I thought SKT. It was just weird seeing SKT kind of take on a different identity. Yes. And it was actually kind of refreshing to see because it made me think that, like, okay, these guys are now crazy confident. And they have – you want to see that flexibility to their game. You Mm -hmm. want to see them be able to play a number of ways if you want to give them a chance of winning worlds and stuff. No team really – it's very rare that a team that only plays one way very well will be able to win something like the world championship. So, yeah. I mean, really, the only – in my opinion, the only team that ever did that was – I guess like season five SKT with the the Easy Hoon swapping lineup, and then um, Invictus last year basically yeah. only had one way of playing. I mean they could play scaling, but anyway, that the first two games of that series are crazy high level, and then game three you're just like, holy shit, SKT is good. <laughs> like it's it is not easy to run over Damwon. Like they just yeah. and their players just were better. Yeah, Faker's back, everyone. In case you're wondering, uh, SKT Sandbox. I thought was a little less interesting. Like, I, th- I thought SKT was just the better team throughout in that series. SKT Dan Juan was a closer series. Yeah. Um, yes. 
I know we Sandbox got very demoralized in that series. Like they were really getting kind of embarrassed. You, you could you could tell after the first game that they were they were done. Like they weren't yeah. gonna. <laughs> they were very demoralized. And, and and honestly, Sandbox Sandbox became. I don't want to say they became what we thought they were going to be, but like they were who we thought they were. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Sandbox really were that like jack of all trades, master of none kind of team. And and you just can't against the elite teams. Like they're going to win sometimes just because they're good and they are a good team. But you put them in a best of five series, it's going to be so hard for them to just like good League of Legends out these like these top caliber teams. Like it's just really difficult to do that. Like you've got to have something. Yeah. Also, the bot lane match was you got to see it on full display. In that T- Teddy was ridiculous in both these series, by the way. Uh, surprise, All surprise. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good. Give that guy, give that guy a taste of international competition. He's going to go running for it. Mm. Um. So that's Korea. Yeah, that's Korea. That's the East. Um, so we have Splice vs. Rogue. What what happened? Oh. Like, this one, I think this one was a clear example of kind of what we had talked about might happen in another series, which was Vitality Shalka. Mm-hmm. We talked about it, that it was possible that Vitality would just like bust out something that, that Shalka wouldn't be able to deal with and that Shalka would be able to pivot in the middle of it. And that's basically what happened in this series was... Yeah. The Garen, Rogue, right? <laughs> Rogue, Rogue, they played Garen Yumi, but they also, like, they were just playing very aggressive champions in, uh, in a lot of places. I think there's the way that they were playing, in particular, very like very aggressively for me. Splice just didn't have an answer for it. They were getting skirmished against when they didn't want to get skirmished against, and they, they wouldn't stop doing the things that were leading into the skirmishes, yeah. even though they didn't want them. And <laughs> it seemed like they were doing a very good job of, of trying to, like, Fight away the style that Rogue was playing, which is Splice's fault. Like, it's... I didn't, I didn't feel like Rogue was doing anything particularly like much better than they had done during the season. Uh, Splice just didn't seem like they had prepared properly for this kind of team. It was kind of weird too because, like, game one, it, this series was weird because game one, Splice looked like they had the read. Right? They were like, okay, Rogue's. So before we even go into this, if you're if you're a team like Rogue going into this series against Splice, right? You need to be thinking to yourself, okay, we can't let them play their game. Mm-hmm. We've got we've got to take the pace back. We have to break serve, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you need to be thinking in this case. Splice looked like they properly identified that Rogue is going to try to smash early game and snowball on us. Like look at like they took Renekton, Silas, Akali, Lucian, Volibear. That's two lanes that should absolutely dominate early. Like uh, like the Renekton and the Lucian Volley should absolutely dominate early, right? Rogue had Rogue had the next level, next level, and Splice was just like, "What do? Like, what do we do? I don't like, I don't know how to respond to this." So then, in game two, they go the complete op- the game two and three really they go the complete opposite direction. They're just like, "Okay, like we're gonna go, we're gonna play our game, we're gonna do our thing," and they just got snowballed on, like. Game game two in particular, the the Kogma Tom I thought was even spicier than the the Garen Yumi because the Garen Yumi is a thing. I, if people don't know, it's been played in like some of the Masters leagues and stuff like that. It's a thing, right? Yeah. The Kogma I thought was wild. Like they, like how dominant they were in that game with that Kogma. I was like, damn, that's. I mean, it had didn't you know it wasn't the whole reason they won or anything, but I was I was kind of surprised by that. And then game three, I. Splice played with fire again and got run over. Like Rogue, Rogue won the series in like under eighty minutes, almost. It was, it was like a very good minutes. series. 
and you, you could definitely tell that that Splice was not prepared for like early game aggressive skirmishing, which and I think is you should stupid. be prepared for that against Rogue. Like it's like if you're playing Misfits and you like weren't expecting aggressive melee mids. Like they do it at pretty much every game. They're just not that good at it. And if you scout it and plan for it, it seems like Splice was good enough. But, but that's the thing. Like it looks like they did know that. Like, you look at this game one draft, and they were like, okay, like, we're just going to, like, they're going to try to go early, and we're going to have a better early game team. Yeah, but Splice is one of those teams, though, that even even if, like, they understand the premise, I don't want Splice playing Lucian Rennington. Yeah. Like, they're just, just not what they're good at. What they needed to do was practice how to play their scaling picks in a way that doesn't force those skirmishes. Or, or have picks that were, like, bridge the gap, right? Yeah, or something to, like, not to play early game champions, because I just don't think Splice is that good at playing early game champions. I think they should play late game they, champions in a safer way. I agree. So Splice have been better this year at, at playing early and like pr- playing proactive defense. They've been better at that. That's actually why I like them so much. But they're still not very good at it. Like, that's the thing. Like, just because they're improved doesn't mean they're good. If you go from, like, a 2 yeah. out of 10 to, like, a 7 out of 10, that doesn't mean you're great at it still. Like, yeah. they. I don't know if... Rogue just had the right, you know, concoction for this one. Like, they just had it. They had the wild pick in game one. Uh, Splice, intelligently, I don't think overreacted to it, which was smart. Like, they they didn't come out and ban it, which I thought was good. Like, that was discipline. Like, you can't get baited into doing that just because you lost to it. Yeah. But they they just got run over. Like, I don't know what else. Like, Rogue Rogue looked – I mean, Rogue played their best games of the season, I think. Yeah, they played fantastic. They did. Like, th- this this to me was almost as much of a shocker as IGLNG was, honestly. Yeah, it was, I don't it was think Rogue's cool. that good. No, and you thought that Splice at some point, game two, game three, would figure out something, but they just couldn't put it together. Yeah. And we, we kind of mentioned that, like, Splice and Shalka and Origin, like, they're not teams that adjust well, like, mid-series. Yep. Because they're not that versatile. So they kind of just have their game plan. If their game plan's good, they're probably going to win three to two or three to one, right? Right. If their game plan's not good, they're going to get run over. So maybe something to think about. Like maybe that's the lesson to learn from this weekend: is is teams that are that are very linear, or even like just a little bit linear and not very versatile. Like maybe we need to adjust like playoff expectations. So. Now, in this case, I think this was a wild result. This was a high variance result. Like you know, this was rolling a four on a hundred sided die. Like this was this is insane. What, what were the odds for the Rogue three zero? Like plus two thousand or something? They're, they're probably pretty darn high. I didn't yeah. Look so, um, yeah, I don't know. I, this this was a wild one, but I think maybe that's the lesson to learn is to to teams that are linear like this, we need to not just automatically assume that the other team can't find something. The other to team play. can't find something to throw them off their plan, right? Shock yeah. of Vitality. Uh, this I didn't get a chance to watch. Uh, I was on Vitality. Yeah. Vitality looked really bad. Really? <laughs> the, game, the game that they won, Cabochard, like, hard dragged them across the finish line. Yeah. <laughs> and the rest of the series, oh, man, I hate to do it, but, like, hashtag save Cabo, man. Like, get Cabo somewhere else. <laughs> the rest of the team looked like a dumpster fire in this series for me. He played all off top. Did you see the Shulk at kill counts, like, even if you didn't watch the series? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm looking it, at it right now. They were doing everything to his Vitality. Yeah. And okay. the four games, their lowest kill number was 18, 18, and they were over 30 twice. Like, they were just 
they were just finding kills constantly on on vitality. Was vitality just like like I, again? I'm gonna have to watch this. Like, did is, was vitality just fighting into them? No, I didn't even think Vitality were... was throwing themselves at, at them. I, at least I did get that impression. They were getting chased. They were getting hunted down. Every... Shalka was playing more aggressive than we're used to for Shalka, but <clears throat> I do think that Vitality opted into a number of fights they didn't That's... need to opt into, and uh... even opted into some fights they should have opted into and then just misplayed them. Uh... Like, if you rewatch this series, you're going to hear, like, some, oh, Mowgli missed the old there, like, a lot. Like, stuff like that. Like, like Mowgli missed all of Jack Troll... Missed an ability. Like you're gonna, oh you're gonna hear a lot of that in this series. Gosh. Jack Troll Jeez. was a feeding troll this whole game. So they uh, was that so many times like, just like oh, and Jack Troll's going out in the middle of nowhere doing nothing. He's dead. Like, what is this game <laughs> one draft? Yeah, there's so <laughs> many things wrong with what Vitaly was doing in this series. Yeah, like what? Um, putting Cabochard. This is a, a thing we're going to talk about in this next series too. But stop putting Cabochard on Karma. Like put people on Karma. If they're a different kind of player, in my opinion, if your top laner is your carry, don't put them on Karma, dude. I know that Karma is strong right now, but I, I don't remember the last time I saw a team that had a Huni or a Cabochard or something. Put them on Karma, and then was at the end of the game like, wow, that Huni really see, went off on Karma. I but every think, time he doesn't play, that's how I feel. See, I so kind of think Karma is a little misunderstood in that way. Like, Karma can just be one of those characters that shits on lane, but it needs to be the right matchup, and I don't think... Like, Mordecai... Here's the thing, right? Mordekaiser should be a matchup. Like, you're talking about game two? Yeah. Mordekaiser should be a matchup that... But that just showed, like, a fundamental misunderstanding for me. Like, I don't think... I don't think Cabochard should be on that champion ever. Maybe. I don't think Jazuke should be on Karthus either, but... Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's... It's just weird, weird stuff going on. Graves, too? Like... I get, I get the all AD and then have your Karthus carry as like a like that's a thing, right? I get that, but like, at the pro and then level, game you can't play perfect. You can't play Karthus mid at the pro level right now. Like not in this meta game, you can't. Yeah, there's Kianas and Akali's and all that kind of stuff. And Silas, like, Silas just crafts your ult yeah. and kills everybody. Like I don't know why. And that did happen that game, but also like even like game four, that's a that's a machismo draft from Vitality right there. Like we lost the Garen Yumi, like now we're gonna play the Garen Yumi. Like I don't know, I I had a lot of problems with Vitality this series. They uh, looked really bad. Did they? they, bad. they... Dude, I don't know. I don't know. Awful, 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 awful. Top to bottom. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to watch this, but this series honestly looks like a clown fiesta. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm gonna have to really watch really it. Bad. The one-sided clown fiesta. Yeah, it was really bad. So uh, we can talk just clutch CLG, <laughs> and then we'll move into this weekend. Uh, clutch looked like they were just gonna swiftly three zero this series, and then Gosh. disaster. I think some people picked up on what happened in this series, um, but I did notice a lot of people might not have picked up exactly what happened in this series. So this series is all about the draft. If you go back in the games and look at who was picked, this series was super heavily about the draft, um, as far as I'm concerned. Um, I think they recognized pretty quickly what CLG or what Clutch needed to play to win. They got rid of it, and Clutch had a very bad backup plan for what to do if those champions weren't available to them. <clears throat> I'm like trying to fair. Look. That's like, probably right. what happened after game two of the three. So, like, look at so let, let's look at what got played. So, game one, Huni is on Gangplank, yeah, and Demonte is on Renekton. Um, Renekton being specifically countered into Kiana, yeah. which I think is pretty good. 
Game two, Hooney's on Karma, and they win, which uh, really did not have a lot to do with Hooney. If you look at the scoreboards, like, Hooney is not the reason they won that game, but he was on Karma. Then they put Hooney on the victor, not a champion that I want him to be playing right now. And they did put he, Demonte Did up. he counterpick the Gangplank, or was uh, he had to have counterpicked it because they probably beat yes. Bam Bam and then took away? I'm pretty sure... I don't remember for sure, but I think Hooney was last pick in game one. Like, they last picked for Hooney in game one. For him. And then... They needed some AP damage. I guess they could have built KC AP, but I don't know what else you'd pick into Gangplank with what's... Uh, it's, I'm trying... Go on. I'm sorry. I'm like... Oh, no, no. I was just saying, like, they they clearly resulted... Like, they had a strategy that they wanted to do in... Like, their fallback strategy involved Hooney being on Karma, Demonte being on either Irelia or Kiana. Um... And I just didn't think it, that it worked out uh, the way that they would have liked. I don't think having Hooney on Karma is like ever how you're going to win a game as this team. Yeah, I like guess that's kind of what you were saying about the last series too. That's exactly like yeah, I was leading into this series because I thought it was an even bigger problem in this series. Is he didn't even really get lane leads really? Like Hooney was not super far ahead on the Karma, but even if he does, it's a champion that really takes away playmaking agency from Hooney. Like Karma can do some stuff, but I, I, he's not. She's not a playmaking agency champion. Well, I think rank. here's the thing, right? Like I look at these drafts, and I actually like this the the, the backup plan, right? Like I it, like the, the comps they have make sense, right? When you play when you play a Karma solo lane, you need to have like hyper carries, and they had that in these in these series uh, or in these games, but. The, the problem is like that Hooney is, like, is who they played th- is who they play through. Like all season, it's the like, Demonte. We've been talking about how they haven't been recently, but I, he's still a huge playmaker. Yeah. Like if you look at his KP and his stats and stuff, like his KP is so much higher than most NA players. His average fantasy points way higher than most NA tops. Yeah, like he's clearly involved in way more plays. And I don't think that Karma is the champion that you put somebody like that on. It's the same with Cabochard. They're both high involvement, big playmaker carry guys. And I think putting either one of them on Karma is a disservice. Well, I think it's kind of weird that, like, we, this is kind of like a bigger picture topic, too, that we could talk about at some I mean, We kind of have before, but sometimes it, it, it's curious to me, like, when it's worth giving away a chance. Like, because a lot of people think Karma is just the best character in the game right now. Like, a lot of teams, yeah. clearly there's a high priority on the champion, but, like... Right. And she could be, but... I mean, here's the thing, like, she is. She gives you so much draft flexibility because she can play three positions. Really, she can play four positions. But see, they always play her top. And I'm very interested why they keep putting her top if they think she's the best champion of the game. Yeah, but, like, she's she's very good on support, and no one ever plays her there. And, like, mid lane, she has good counters, and nobody really plays her there. The other big problem for this series, though, since you you said you didn't see it, the other big problem for this series is DeMonte... Uh, clearly felt in the last few games like he needed to be the guy. Like, look at the score differences between yeah. Demonte and Cody in the last two games. Was Cody Sun's just playing. Cody Sun's just involved in nothing because every play is like the fight's getting set up. Demonte jumps in on the melee assassin, gets killed. The fight fizzles off, and like they did not let they put the hyper carry in the composition, but that hyper carry never got involved when it mattered. It was got just it. like over-aggressive engage that ended too quickly. Cody's son with two total kill participation in the last two games. Yeah, that's, like, that was bad, and that's just... I don't understand that. Yeah, so I think that was the biggest the biggest issue. It was a combination of taking away the playmaking from Hooney 
and putting the playmaking on DeMonte, who I think was over over aggressive with that playmaking ability. Yeah, this game five comp, I can't play from behind at all. Which yeah, they got absolutely steamrolled in that game. I mean, again, this is another one. So, yeah, just to reiterate, like, the reason I haven't caught all of these is because I, I didn't get back until late Monday night. So uh, I've just been like, I, I just started today reviewing VODs from this past weekend, so that's why I haven't caught a lot of these. But this is one I'm going to have to watch because it kind of looks – this looks like a, like an SKT-style conference. Like they lose the first two games, figure you out, and then just grind you out the last three. That's kind of what it looks like. I don't know. It was just a really unfortunate series because Clutch stomped the first two games. Like yeah. they made CLG look stupid in the first two games. Yeah, it was looking yeah. as planned, right? Right. <laughs> I was there them like, oh, they got it. They won. And Lyra, Lyra in game two was just an absolute monster. And then it felt like he didn't have a place to be a monster in the last few games because Huni's on Karma mm-hmm. and DeMonte was losing lane. And he just didn't didn't feel like he had a, a place to go because he's yeah. so used to going to the solo lanes. So unfortunate. If they played again tomorrow um, with the ability to have learned from this best of five, I think I would just take Clutch again. Yeah. But unfortunate series for them. I still hope they go to Worlds. Got it. Yeah, I kind of do too. I think of the NA teams, it's it's kind of weird to say, but I think they'd be the best of the rest. Like, I don't want C- like I think CLG is the second or third best team in NA, but I I don't want the worlds. Just the way they play is think... not conducive exactly. to like playing at the international stage. I want a higher variance team like Clutch. Exactly. Or... Even if you think CLG or TSM is better than Clutch, they're going to do worse at Worlds than Clutch Agreed. because they play a very straightforward strategy that people are just going to stomp if they have better players than them. Whereas Clutch has some weird stuff they can do to win games. So, yeah, I definitely want to see them go. But uh, Any other comments on last weekend's games? This was a weird, weird weekend. Like it was correct. Upset City. Uh, okay, nope, we, uh, now we have some context. Let's, uh, let's hit this weekend's game. So Friday, we have round two in the LEC. Uh, so the LEC has this new format where they're doing – like a traditional bracket, and then they're also going to have this like juggernaut match that we're going to talk about in a bit, where it's kind of like a half bracket thing that you can go directly to the finals for. So I'll explain that in a bit. But uh, on Friday we have the two winners of the series. We have Rogue uh, plus 145 against Shaka minus 192. The We'll say Shaka minus 1.5 is at plus 104. That's the number that sticks out to me. And this is the series that we were hinting about earlier. I'm pretty yeah. sure Gelati's on the same page. This is the one we were hinting about earlier, which is the same as LNG versus RNG. Is a team that just had a big upset, but that for the most part of the season was considered pretty average. Mm-hmm. Uh, now coming up against a team who's as good as the team they were playing before, but probably won't fall into the same pitfalls or better than the team they were playing before, depending on how you look at it. Uh, I would expect Schalke to take this series pretty pretty handily. And I don't even think Shulk is a good adapting team. Like, I just think they were kind of, they caught Splice off guard and Splice kind of, I think Splice imploded a little bit in that series too. And uh, I I just expect uh, Shulk to go out there and and, and take care of them pretty easily. I also think that we we just saw like a new angle, like a new look for Shulk. Like they were not this, like they weren't afraid to scrap. Like they weren't like reluctant. No, fight, they were fighting. But man, oh man, like you look at these kill totals in this vitality series, and I mean, I know it's vitality, but still, like you, got, you no, guys they said were, they, they were taking were the fight to them. It wasn't like vitality was throwing themselves at them, right? 
Yeah, no, they were definitely very aggressive in, in, in that series, more so than we're used to seeing. So, the other thing, too, like, coming off an upset like that is... It's something we've talked about before, like, during the regular season, too, is when you have a, a, a quote-unquote bad team or a weaker team or, like, a mediocre team coming off of an upset win against a good team, 99% of the time, they had to do something weird for that to happen. Every so often, you get one where it's just like, what What was that? Like, LNG, IG, I don't think LNG did anything to catch them off guard. They just won, right? That was what was so weird about that series. They did play better than we're used to seeing them <laughs> yeah, play, but, but IG played worse. Yeah, and it's not like LNG were doing things that they don't do. Like, they were just being themselves, but they were just better, right? Most of the time, it's like a weird pick or like uh, they some kind of weird strategy that a team does to break serve to, to punch up, like to make up that difference or to surprise in a game and then get momentum. And usually when that happens, which is, this is what was so weird about the spring split JDG run too, is that like everybody knew that they were just going to play dive the AD carry and teams just kept playing into it, right? Now, mm-hmm. in Rogue's case, we saw some weird stuff. We saw the Garen Yumi. We saw, you know, just relentless aggression. But I think it wasn't necessarily like just cheese. Like it wasn't cheese. Like I don't think Rogue. I think it, it was more like LNG. Like, they had the one the one pick that was weird. Like, the Garen Yumi thing's weird. But everything else, I think Rogue just outplayed. So, like, I don't want to be automatic in saying that Shalka should stomp this. But Shalka should stomp this, right? Yeah, I think they, they should win, like, 3-1 at worst. I think 3-1 at worst. I think they can get to 3-2, but 3-1 sounds fine. I mean, you're getting plus odds on the on the 3-1 or 3-0. I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think minus minus one point five is definitely where I'm at for my money. Yeah, plus one hundred four is a good number for that. If this was like minus one twenty, minus one thirty, something like that, I'm probably just like avoiding. Actually, no, I'd probably bet that still. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is good. I'm gonna be all over that. I I love fading upsets too. It's like my favorite thing. <laughs> like being the wet blanket is like my favorite thing to do. Right? It's just it's it's typically very profitable, and that's in like every sport. Yeah. There's almost always public overreaction to things. We saw this with Liquid and uh, Cloud9, too, where like we were getting surprisingly good line value on Team Liquid in that series. And I know that series ended up close, but... I was going to talk about that, too. That was wild. I have no idea how that series got so close. It was oh, at yeah, the point where that. We should, C9... We should... Yeah, it got to the point where C9 was only like plus 140 or something on some of the books. And I was just like... Nobody's played any more games. Like, they played their semifinals, but nobody else, like, they didn't play any games in between that. And it was like everyone just hammered Cloud9 as if the fact that Clutch took Team Liquid to five was indicative that Team Liquid was not going to beat C9, even though they've just, like, been way better than them for at all points in the last two years and nothing else has changed. Like, I don't know. I was blown away at how close the series got. I really wanted to add some more money, but I already had so much money on Team Liquid to win that I was like, I don't know if I could put more on this just in case. But So, we totally forgot the finals. Let's just go back and cover that real quick because it was a good series. Like, it it really was a pretty good series, right? And uh, I was watching this live from the convention center floor in Las Vegas. So, um, just eating up my data, man. Just eating it up. Like that. <laughs> so, uh, this was a good series. It was back and forth. I thought, like, I remember thinking, like, in game, uh, no, it was game, it was game five, not game four, with the Vladimir. 
I remember yeah. thinking in game five that like, oh man, like it was it was a relatively slow start. And I was like, okay, like this Vlad, like Team Liquid does not have a way to deal with this Vladimir. Like no none of their laners can deal with a Vladimir and they have a Xin Zhao and a Shen. So I did that was the most worrying thing to me was I thought the biggest underperformer of the series by far was X Smithy. Yeah. And when they put him on Xin Zhao in game five, You're I was like, like What? Shit. Yeah. This, is not, this is not an X Smithy champion. It's not something I remember him playing like basically ever. And he's already performing poorly today. And we're going to take him out of his comfort zone and throw him on Xin Zhao. Like that was one of the only things that scared me. I was, if, I was like, if they lose, they're going to feel so freaking stupid putting him on Xin Zhao in Game Five. Yeah, I, man, I, I didn't think serious. about it at the time. Let me just caveat that real quick because I didn't even yeah. think about it at the time, which just shows how we miss stuff. But the Shen was so smart with the Xin Zhao. It lets the Xin Zhao go in like that and be able to make a mistake every once in a while or be able to be a little out of position and still make up for it. And when I initially saw the draft, I, I did not think about how much easier that makes Six Smithy's life to have the Shen there. Yeah, it definitely does. But again, like, I mean, you look at this team, this is no wave clear. Like, this was all in. Mm-hmm. Like, Team Liquid were all in early. I mean, besides the Kesa, but like, they were all in early. If they didn't, if they didn't get a lead in this game, they weren't going to win this game. And. <laughs> They didn't really have a huge lead in this game. Like they were up like a thousand gold or something for a while, uh, and then they just blew it open. Yeah, they, they blew it wide open. It was pretty early because I remember telling uh, my buddy that was watching they're going to need to have a lead at like twenty minutes. And when twenty minutes came around, I'm pretty sure it was like three or four thousand gold already. Like they had it, they had it pretty handily, I think, at twenty. And then you see it was seventeen thousand difference at the end. So yeah, yeah, it was about I think seventeen was where that. Like where they blew it up or something yeah like yeah it's it was just so weird like because you see this comp and you're like oh god if they don't close this game like now <laughs> they're just gonna lose like straight out they're just not gonna win this game but they they did what you're supposed to do when you have leads which is start objectives make the other team check and come get you because if you yeah, don't you're not gonna win that's mm-hmm. how you play Correct. that's how you play up tempo stuff and like we don't yeah. even think of Liquid as like a great up tempo team, but like they're a versatile enough team that they 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 have enough chops at it that that's a threat like in draft. Yeah, which is why and, by, by the way, which is why we were so confident about them going into like going into a best of five series because Liquid do more things better than anybody else in NA does. Like they're a more I, versatile team than everybody in NA. I thought there was the storyline was definitely playing out about Niski and Jensen in this series. Uh, I felt like those guys definitely took it seriously, took that storyline seriously. Yeah. Because every game to me felt like one of them dumpstered the other one. Yeah, they like, were like, it felt like pissed at to each, dumpster other. each other. Yeah, and I felt like every game it was a big difference maker who got the big like edge in the mid lane, and whoever got the big edge in the mid lane usually just shit on the other team like yeah. really badly. I'm, I mean, I'm just seeing like you just like look at this series too. Like if you look at Cloud 9s drafts, you just see. This is why it's so difficult to draft against good versatile teams, right? Like look look at the bands that Cloud9 just had to auto include in every single game in this series, right? They just had to put the Sona in every game because they can't beat it. I did think that it was it was smart of them, but I was definitely thinking they were gonna let that drop at some point during the series, and yeah. I was interested to see if Team Liquid is gonna pick it, and then they did it they did the smart thing, I think. That just, that's what like that's the reward you get for being versatile and experimenting and trying stuff early in the season is that it pays dividends now if you can get there. And I don't know, I honestly thought Liquid would have an easier time with this, but we we all know that Cloud9's like spike performances are like they're good. They're a good team. They're yeah, they're gamers. Yeah, like yeah. when, you know, and they have good players and when they're playing at their 
when they're playing at their peak, I think they're they're close to liquid. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. It's like if they're at their peak. This was a good series. It was a good back and forth. I thought the drafts were super interesting. I thought the gameplay was great. There was a lot of good outplays and it was, you know, high action for the most part. Like it was it was it was good. Uh it wasn't too clown fiesta y. Which no. was which was relieving. I was like, NA final clown fiesta not gonna have a lot of confidence going into worlds, but <laughs> Anyway, so we totally forgot about finals. I have no idea how, but let's go back to uh, – so we have Rogue and Shalka. We, I think we all are on Shalka minus 1.5. Yep, I think that's yep. the play. Yep. So the kill total in this is 27.5. Feels a little, like, on the low side given Shalka's last series. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking right now. But I don't know. That is tough. It does feel a little low because Rogue is a team that will fight as well. And if Shalka's going to keep playing, the only question is if Shalka kind of reverts strategy now that they're not, like, now that they have a different opponent, if their approach to this series is different than it was to the last one. But yeah, it does feel a little low. So, let's see. Um, Saturday. So we have, uh, as we talked about it a little bit earlier, we have the Juggernaut match, which is the number one and the number two seed are going to play a best of one, I believe. No, I think it's I think it's at least best of three. Let me look it up real quick. I'm going to check right now. I have it here. I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was it's best of five because they played Origin twice in best of fives last season and they won three zero. Yeah, times. Um, should be best of five. So it is. Yeah, it's, it's best of five. Yeah. So they're going to play a best of five that's going to seed the winner directly into finals, while the loser has to play the winner of Rogue and Chalka. So yeah. uh, kind of cool. Like it's like almost like a double elimination bracket. Kind of makes vibe. me feel a lot safer having G two. Uh, as like my big few, as part of my big futures, makes me feel a lot safer that they have double elimination here, just yeah. in case they decide to mess around a little bit in this match. But yeah. I would expect them to win at worst three one three one in the last two series, and fairly likely three zero three zero. So uh, just the lines we have. So we have G two. Let me make sure. My, okay, there we go. So we have G two minus four seventy six. Uh, Fnatic plus three twenty three. The G two minus one point five is at. Uh, minus it's minus two hundred, I think. Minus two oh eight, yeah, it's minus two oh eight. I can't type. So, minus one point five is at minus two oh eight. The minus two point five is at plus one fifty one. Uh, Fanatic plus one point five is at plus one fifty seven. So, um, I don't know, man. Like I know G two are good, but Fanatic are also really, really good. Is this a little too disrespectful? I'm definitely not betting G2 money line. Like that's that's a no, lot. No. And this is with it being double elimination actually, I kind of counter contradict what I said a second ago, but with it being double elimination, I wouldn't be surprised to see G2 try some things out here and either win 3-2. I'd be surprised if they lost, but I wouldn't be that surprised if they win 3-2. So I think honestly this is probably one of the only matches I'm not messing with as far as like money lines and spreads. Yeah, I'm I'm half tempted to take the Fnatic plus 1.5. Like I think if I was going to take Fnatic, I'd go to plus 2.5. I think minus 200 is reasonable. They should get a game, I think. Yeah, Fnatic, I, here's the thing. Like, and this is a lot of respect to Fnatic. Like, Fnatic are good enough to like take a game or two off G2. Yeah. If they mess around too much, I think Fnatic could just smack them in the mouth and win. Just out of curiosity, I want to look up the Fnatic 3-0 because that's the way this has been going recently. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, yeah, I don't know. So we have twenty nine and a half on the kill total, thirty one on the over under. Usually, when you see these high kill, low time spreads, I get like skeptical. <laughs> but with the way these two teams play, 
Especially because this, I almost feel like this match is going to have way less pressure, right? I think it is, and for Fnatic's strategy in general when playing against G2 has been to try to match their aggression. I think I really like the kill totals yeah, uh, I, at 29 I'm, and a half. I'm a I think I want to go with kill that. total, especially when this is a double elimination for both these teams, and they're both so much better than the rest of the field that I can't help but think that they're going to be a little more loosey-goosey in these games than they would be if this was just, okay, we're in finals. Yeah, right, I like, think Fnatic is going to do the same thing. I think they're going to keep trying to match them and, and try to play super aggressive and try to snowball on them. I expect the kill totals. The Fnatic very 3-0 high. is plus nine ten. Just, just FYI. Yeah, that's not good enough for me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I love the kill totals here. At least the first probably three games. Twenty nine and a half is a big number, but honestly, it's not because G two average like thirty kills and deaths a game. I think. Yeah, they average like almost twenty kills per game just by themselves. Yeah, I think yeah. they're like twenty and ten, something like that. And even so when they hard. lose, the games are very high scoring when they lose generally. So, yeah, I think that I love the kill totals. Let me see. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they their combined KDA is like thirty point one or something like that, or combined uh, kills plus deaths. Yeah, I like over twenty nine and a half for sure. So, um. This also feels like a gold mine for DFS. I don't know if this. I guess the Saturday slate's going to be the three. Is it going to be all four Saturday games, or is it just going to be? They might do I, that same thing. They've only released two slates so oh, I far. I think this is Sunday. I think RNG top is Sunday, right? There's an LEC slate that does Friday Saturday LEC games. Okay. So the the Schalke matchup and this matchup, but uh-huh. I think the other one I kind of like is I think I kind of like over three and a half. I'm not 100 percent sure. That I'm going to bet that, but I think I, I think I kind of like Fnatic to get at least one game. Yeah, over three and a yep. half at minus one sixty nine. So that seems reasonable to me. Doable, yeah. That, that was like some of the only bets that I actually hit last week were the, the overs. Like I paid a big pay. I just like laid big money, hit the overs uh, over three and a half. Like I ended up doing that in um, the Vitality series instead of betting the Vitality. Like I, I bet light Vitality plus one point five light on the money line, and then. Like heavy on the over, I just needed them to take a game, and they did. So, yeah, G two are. Oh my god, this team! <laughs> so G two are averaging thirty two point two combined kills and deaths per game. And and Fnatic is a team that will play into that. They're not yeah. gonna. I don't think they're gonna try to play slow scaling comps no. or whatever. So no. I, yeah, I, I really love the over. And I kills. think you. Can, I think you just can't. You can't play slow scaling comps against G two. They're too good. Like yeah. you're right, you're gonna get caught up in their pace before you know. It. So yeah, they're they're a good enough team that like you can't disrespect them by picking a scaling team. I think like you just can't like you have to fight fire with fire against G two. It's kind of like playing against Invictus. Like you just have to you have to battle them, and and if you win, you win. But yeah. if you try to do the other thing, you're just gonna lose. So or like Griffin, right? Griffin, you got you got to break up their momentum, or they're, they're just gonna roll you over. So. Um, yeah, I think overkills and over three point five. Yeah, overkills maps. over three point five maps. Maybe light on the fanatic plus one point five. I think plus one fifty seven is a good number. So sounds like a good idea. Um, LCK Grand Finals. Wow. I mean, this is kind of what we expected, but this is looking. This is shaping up to be a series. So SK Telecom are favored Ooh. minus one sixty nine against Griffin plus one twenty nine. The uh, We'll say the Griffin plus one point five is at minus one fifty two. Uh, <sighs> Twenty two and a half in thirty three minutes for the kill totals and time, uh, dude. SKT looks scary. They just look scary, but I, I, 
I feel like the, Griffin shake the monkey off their back, so to speak. This is a real tough one, man. Like, I something leans me towards Griffin, but one of my issues is like we've seen SKT Griffin finals, and it has not looked good for Griffin nope. in SKT Griffin finals. And SKT's also been playing so well lately. Combined with that, I, I have a tough is, time. Where to the go thing on this is, one. SKT haven't been playing mistake free, but they've also been like playing with swagger, which is like what you need to do against Griffin. Like if you're going to, if you're going to beat Griffin, you gotta like, you can't just play straight up. Now SKT actually can play straight up against him. They're good enough, but there's like three teams in the world that can play against Griffin straight up. How do you feel about the under on time? That was what drew my attention right away. Yeah. So 33 minutes, 33 is pretty high, but if you look at Korea, like, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to tell how these two teams are going to approach this series. Doesn't it feel like, at least it kind of felt to me like these teams are going to try to snowball each other. Like, that's what they've done historically when they played each other. Yeah, I mean, if you look at, last, I think last summer it would have been, it would have hit the under on all three games, or last spring it would have hit yeah. the under on all three games. But and I think they will try to do that to each other. I don't know whether or not it will play into this, but I don't see these two teams drafting, like, scaling comps. And I think they're going to try to beat each other up. I'm going to take a brief look at, like, their matches against each other this split. Yeah, at the same time, I feel like some of the regular season things might not carry over. The playoff has been a little different. Yeah. The other thing to, to factor in here is that, so this is like one of those classic debac- like debates of does momentum matter more than having more information and preparation, right? Historically, it's really weird. Historically in the LCK, unless it's SK Telecom, unless it's SK Telecom that's already in the finals... Yeah, the team coming in with the momentum that had to play through the bracket has won a lot. Uh-huh. I forget like the exact numbers because I di- I did something about this like last season because I-, I don't know if it's just the momentum or shaking off the rust or that they're they're a lot more loose or whatever. But it just for whatever reason that's the way it's been in the LCK. So these they played SKT won the first series two zero long close game one. And then stomped game. Uh, Griffin Griffin won the first series two. A uh, long game one, stomped game two. This was in June. Second series was end of July. SKT won two zero, and they were all thirty three twenty eight, thirty seven oh seven, thirty two twenty four. Both playing like scaling comps though. So, I, I think my 33's, strategy thirty three is like a sweet spot for me in the LCK because. The LCK more than any other region is willing to willing to just handshake, like even when they're confident, like they're just willing to do that. So I don't I don't feel as confident betting the time in this series. Uh, I think a good strategy might just be to go minus one point five on whoever you think is going to win. I'm not sure I see this going five games. This feels like one of those series where one team is going to be better prepared for whatever's happening in the series, and they're going to put a beat down on the other guys. Yeah, it's. It's my my like my gut is telling me Griffin. If I was gonna bet Griffin, I think I would bet Griffin minus one point five, not just Griffin money line. Yeah, let me see what the minus one point five is at. And we've talked about this, right, John? In when in spring we were talking about how Griffin was gonna fail to win the spring split and they're gonna make a comeback. I'm just We did. We talked about that as a as like coming back to win summer as their redemption. Yeah, we definitely talked about that as a storyline, and I could definitely see that happening. I don't see Griffin winning of game five. Right. Like, that's something that stands out to me. I don't see him winning a game five. I could see Griffin winning 3-0. I could see him winning 3-1. Something tells me if it goes to five, SKT wins for sure. I 
I don't know. Maybe it's just that KT last year changed all sorts of things for me. Where like I, I tend to believe that a team can can break a curse, like you know Red Sox style or whatever. Like if K, if that KT team could do it, I think this Griffin team is really really good. But I think they can win. I just don't think they're going to win a game five. I think they, if they win, it's three zero or three one. I just think like I think this is going to like this series. Both of these teams are too good, and for what it's worth, I think these two teams are. If you ask me right now, these are two of the top four teams in the world. Like, yeah, I think it's really I think it's these two, G two, and Fun Plus. Like if I had to, if I had to pick a winner for Worlds right now, I I, think, I would agree with that. I th- and I think honestly, like I think all four of them are like pretty even. Like it could go it could go to any one of them. I think there's some other teams on, like outside of them that could do it as well. I don't want to rule that out, but. These two teams are so so good that I almost think that the the team that wins this series is just the team that either is just going to make the fewest mistakes. I do think that those are probably like four of the top five teams in the world. I so think. Who, so who do you? I'm a little scared. Well, I, I just think there's a lot of other teams you could include in there if you wanted, and I think that there's an argument to be made that Korea is not really. We've only seen Korean teams against other Korean teams, and the LCK hasn't been that good this season, and we're not really 100 percent sure what happens when. They come up against the top teams from the other regions. Like it's possible. I don't think it's. Right I don't think it's super likely, but I definitely think it's possible that we could see a world scenario where like SKT or Griffin just get dumpstered by like the second place LPL representative, and like it just turns out that the LPL was so much better than we were just giving Korea too much credit. See, I think, but I do think I think they're enough credit. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I do think they are two of the top four or five teams in the world. Yeah. but I think it's possible. I'd be more surprised. If like Fun Plus got dumpstered at Worlds, then I would SKT or Griffin. It's kind of like, I'm kind of on the other side of that, but it's not like so overwhelming one way or the other that I like. I can see that. I can see that happening. Like I could see honestly any of that ha- after last year's Worlds. I don't know. Like I, <laughs> that's part of part of like the lesson I'm trying to take from last year's Worlds. This is like a brief side topic here, but like part of the lesson I'm trying to take from last year's Worlds is that I, I am trying to look not as a region in isolation anymore. Because I'm that's what that's what that's what punished me. I'm trying to think of like how does this look against this, against this, against this, against this, right? Mm-hmm. And I think not just in like psych- like psychologically, I think Korea learned their lesson. I also think Korea have had a few teams this year test that and put them to the test. You had Afrika and Damwon doing well, that's why I'm scared. stuff. Is we were talking the whole time about how like any of these top six teams in Korea could beat each other. Yeah. And when you say like SKT loses to Royal, it sounds like less believable. But if you said Gen G lost to Royal, I'd be like, of course Gen G lost to Royal. Yeah. But we were talking the whole season about how Gen G is very capable of beating SKT or Griffin. Yeah. And so that's what scares me is that there was a lot of teams in that bunch in Korea that could beat each other. And with the top ones, it seems like we're giving them a lot more credit than the bottom ones. And I'm a little scared that we might find out that them being close together was because was maybe none of them and more than yeah. More so than I, I'm not saying that's the case. Like I, I'm still giving Griffin and SKT a ton of credit right now, but I wouldn't be super surprised if we found out that maybe they weren't quite on the general Chinese level. That's fair, I guess. I, I just think I mean again, a lot of this is like personal preference too. Like, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about this like for worlds and everything, but. Ooh. We kind of Definitely. talked about this about like the VOD review topic last week. Where we were talking about how like I look for repeatable, mm-hmm. consistent things because it's more reliable. Mm-hmm. So I tend to prefer the way the Korean teams play, and I think that yeah. they're showing more dimensions this year than they did last year. And last year, 
I was kind of blindfolded by that because they weren't punished for it domestically, but they've been punished for it domestically this split. So I think the existence of teams like Sand- – well, not Sandbox as much, but the existence of teams like uh, like Damwon and Afrika especially I think are going to help the region overall. So uh, Griffin minus 1.5 is at plus 236, by the way. That's a pretty good number if you like that. I think if I'm going to bet Griffin, I'm going to bet Griffin minus 1.5. And if I'm going to bet SKT, I'm going to bet SKT minus 1.5. I haven't decided where I'm going to go. I'm going to do a lot more VOD review before I make any bets on that series. Yeah, but this, this is, uh, to me, this is like the best match of the weekend. And that's saying something because this weekend's pretty stacked with interesting stuff. So Yeah, I mean, I think SKT kind of has thrown my thoughts about them out of the window in the last oh, two yeah. matches. So oh, I kind of want to go back and watch those a bit more before I decide what I'm going to do about this yeah. matchup. But. They haven't been perfect, but they've had a swagger that's like, oh, God, this team's terrifying. <laughs> I, I remember loading up one of the highlights because I always watch the highlights first and then I go back and watch the VODs later. And I just remember loading up one of the highlights and it was like, I felt like all five of the champions were people I was not expecting SKT to have on their team ever. Yeah, and, and I was just and like, what they're like styling on, on yeah, like Showmaker yeah. and Nogari, like what? Yeah, and they were dumpstering them, and I was like, what is going on? Yeah. So, I, yeah, I definitely have to watch those more. I, wa- I watched them once already, but it's going right. to take some more review. So, let's jump over to the LPL, uh, since we're running a little short on time here. So, uh, we're going to go a little bit faster through these. Fun plus minus 500. It's Billy Billy plus 336. Uh, fun plus minus 1.5 is at minus 217. Kill totals twenty six and a half. I like that. Thirty one on the time, dude. This is twenty six and a half. This, feels is, this low. is too rich for me. Yeah, this is one of those things where I kind of wish Fun Plus was playing against Royal or Top with good odds because I think I would take the other side of it. We have seen FPX collapse in the playoffs before. Um, I could see them losing. I just don't think they're going to lose to Billy Billy, but it's too rich for me to bet them. So yeah, it's really unfortunate because it's it's if you can, I think if you can get Billy Billy close to four hundred, I take a shot on it. Mm. This is because like, I, I honestly think like I'm not ruling that out. I think a lot of people are just automatically ruling out that Billy Billy win. I definitely don't think they're going to win, but I, I also we have seen enough inconsistency in the playoffs from FPX to know that there's a chance of it. So yeah, this this I FPX think, team feels different though, right? They do. They feel a lot stronger this season. I think my favorite is the over and kills. Yeah, twenty six and a half like. is a really low number because even even though even with Billy Billy playing like a more controlled style, like they're still fighting a lot, like they're team fighting. So yeah, I think twenty six and a half is a bit low. But yeah, FPX FPX doesn't exactly play low kill total games either, as we know. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of like other stuff. The over three point five at minus one sixty four. I kind of like. That's pretty nice I, to me. What do you think? What's the expected result? Like, obviously, the expected result doesn't usually happen yeah. exactly, but what's the expected result for you? I think it's, like, fun plus three to, maybe like, 1.1, 1.2, something like that. Like, slightly I think more than a game. I think it's, like, fun plus three to point seven for me. Okay. I don't think Billy Billy gets a game, like, super often. It's kind of, Billy Billy are, are a weird team because... They like consistently overperform my high expectations of them, but I also like just refuse to put them in the same ballpark with the elite Chinese teams. So like, I don't know if that's like my brain telling me something or if it's just me underestimating them. Still, I feel like the it's been the opposite experience for me. Is like every time they climb up, where I'm like Billy Billy's like a legit team, then they just like get dumpstered by they one of the other sh- top. Teams. They do struggle with the top teams. That's a good point. They feel like one of those consistent teams that has a hard time punching up to me, and so I think yeah. I really think FPX can win. You but. know, I'm I th- I'm I'm starting to 
like your point seven more. Like I, I like I like Fun Plus here, but it's just too much money to pay. I'm not paying two two seventeen for them to win. Yeah, not not for me. I do like the over and kills though. That's a good number. Yep, that's where I like. Um, Chris, anything on this one? Just curious, do you guys think Billy Billy is a linear type of team, like how we mentioned how splices, or they they can be a bit more adaptable? Um, I think they are a little more linear, but they're mm-hmm. like that's not a bad thing. Like this meta, no. it's worth mentioning that this meta game is ridiculously good for Billy Billy. Like all like the champions that are like premium champion Karma Corky, like all these champions are very right. good for them. And for how they right. like to play, and they're very good at them. And we've seen historically that like ADD and, and like Cora are good at these kind of things, right? Um, but also think- that that's the thing, though. If they stay with a linear type of style, not trying something, I think FPX just gonna smash them. Yeah, because that's what FPX does. <laughs> FPX is the is the uh, what do they call it? They're like disruptors. Like they're they're everything that everything they do is just there, there to break the norm up. <laughs> yeah, so maybe. Uh, and Billy Billy have had a lot of trouble against good teams. But they did, I mean, I don't know. I got to go back and watch the ADG series because I don't know how they looked in that series. I just was like looking at it. So I have to watch that before I make any kind of ruling on this one. Uh, Sunday, we have RNG minus 127, TOP minus 103. We'll say the RNG minus 1.5 is at plus 149. The TOP plus 1.5 is at minus 196. 25 very, and a half kills, 32 minutes. Very interesting for me because I have, like, Royal winning the LPL would be the nut for me because I have Royal and some parlays. But I'm very surprised that they made Royal the favorite here. Yeah. I think, I think TOP should be a, a very reasonable favorite, like minus 150. I don't know. I don't know why they would make Royal the favorite just for beating LNG. Top has looked way better this season for me. I, I think this is a pick'em though. Like I, I could see this being. I do think it's very close, but I think I'm going to end up betting the top money line uh, partially as a hedge against my futures. But I think tops looked better, and I think that the the lines are overreacting to them beating LNG, which is like a nothing victory. Remember, right? th- remember three months ago, and we were like, I don't want to see Top at Worlds. <laughs> I want to see Top at Worlds. Actually, I don't. Like, I don't want to see top this iteration of Top is good. IG Fun Plus and Royal because I really don't want to cut off Royals like streak of just always being a Worlds team. I, I want Uzi to always be the guy that's there. I do think Top might be more fun to see at Worlds than Royal, but I don't know. I, I don't want Uzi to miss Worlds. I just think Top. <laughs> if you guys haven't seen like. <laughs> Watch Logan play League of Legends. He's ridiculous. He's so good. He, Logan might be the best AD carry in the world, and that's saying something because we got Teddy and Viper and Uzi and LWX. Like all like this matchup definitely takes away Royal's strongest point, their bot lane. Yeah, I agree. and they should lose the mid lane like pretty bad. Like I like Zhao Hu quite a bit, but Knight is Knight's is elite. Oh, Knight, Knight can dumpster. And then RNG has already struggled in the top lane. Like, no matter who they put up there, they've struggled with it just because of the way that they play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so, really, what RNG has going for them is Karsa. Like, that's what's yeah. going for them, is Karsa's the better jungler. And if he puts more emphasis into the bot lane, he could probably help Uzi and Ming, like, beat on Loken. But, I don't know, it feels to me like top should be minus 140, minus yeah, 150. I, I, I could see this being, like, a pick em, but I, I would... For me, it's more like top minus one twenty RNG plus one hundred. I think I think RNG are getting a little too much credit based on historical results. 
yeah, name value and their most recent. And they win. haven't been great. Like they're, I mean, they've been themselves. Yeah, I, this is a weird case because, like, I try to describe this to people sometimes. It's a little bit weird, but I have an idea in my head of what I think the series should be, and then I have an idea in my head of what I think the books should think this series is. Yeah. No, no, I, no, I'm with you on that. And I think for sure the books should have had this series as top being like a 140, 150 favorite, given how everyone's played this season. And yeah. I'm a little weirded out that they aren't. In my mind, this is very close to a 50 50. Yeah, I think I, maybe slight edge to top, but I think it's very close to a fifty. I also think but just I'm, the way these teams play, it's like a good ma- like it's a fifty fifty matchup. Like they don't not and we are stylistically. A, there's neither like a big difference. Carsa is the, yeah. the, the the tiebreaker. Well, Carsa versus Knight kind of because yeah. I think FX yeah, I is uh, three six nine rather is not the kind of guy who dominates his lane. Really, he's like usually a neutralizer, yeah. which is not mm-hmm. the best kind of top laner to have against a team that struggles in the top lane. Like you're not going to be neutralizing anything because they don't have somebody <laughs> the up there. The thing is though, like he's he he's kind of like impact in that he's very good at that, right. but he That's can carry point. still. You know, I think they're I think they would want him to. I think if you want to win this series as top, it might be smart to try to go up top and and turn on three six nine. Yeah, and he's kind of been in the same vein as Gimgoon. Like kind of breaking through his typecast, you know, like like he's been typed as this kind of player, and he's kind of like expanding and going into other things. Like, I don't know, man. I I almost think like the way RNG plays, they're very very bad at dealing with teams that have other carries. Like, if what do you have? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Like, I I think like if RNG try to play like the way they always do, like through through Uzi or whatever, I think they can they they could just lose this series. Because I think I think TOP if they just play if, if both these teams just handshake go to late game play five five team fights like two hyper carries there I think TOP can can win like it's fifty fifty maybe fifty five for them because I think Knight's way better right I also think Knight's more versatile than Xiaohu and that's no disrespect to Xiaohu but like I, I think Knight is the kind of player that can break a matchup open I think I, I think what you said is right it's Knight versus Karsa. Yeah, and I'm going to be that, interested to see if they choose to play through somewhere other than Uzi because RNG have showed that they they're willing to do that this season, which is a new look for them. Really, I don't know. Both these teams, I mean, TOP's also had the the time to prepare, so they got to see a series. I don't know how much that LNG series really meant, but I'm probably going to end up betting the TOP like favorite side spreads, like TOP minus one point five. I think I'm going to end up betting something like that. Uh, I think there's a some chance that TOP just wins 3-0, like a reasonable chance. Yeah. They have looked better this season yeah. to me, and I wouldn't be that surprised if they came out and dumpstered them. And especially given that I have futures on Royal, I think I'm just going to end up betting like uh, like a minus 1.5 or minus 2.5 like for top. It's kind, of a, yeah, it's kind of a hedge, but also I think that there's a reasonable chance that it just happens. So yeah. I think – well, that's the thing. Like, I think this is a combination of – RNG's a little bit being being overrated a little bit here, and TOP's being a little underrated. But I also think that both these teams are so good that it, you can't just automatically like just value bet it. Like you got to actually have your reasoning for it and everything. This is another one of those series that doesn't feel like a five gamer to me. No. This feels like this feels like we're not exactly sure, given what we've seen, who's better. But I think we're going to find out who's better, and they're probably going to. Do a, a pretty heavy beating on this series. I'm not sure who it is, but I'm gonna I mean, I'm gonna take the that it's top. I think. Yeah. Does it feel like a series where, like you mentioned, it could go 3-0, but it looks closer per match, but a winner just comes out. Yeah, it's one of those ones where people are gonna say it's a 3-2 because these teams look really close. Yeah. But actually, in reality, I think I'm I'd be more I might be more surprised to see a 3-2 than to see that either team won 3-0. 
I think somebody's going to come out and be the better team in the series. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised to see a five game series here. <laughs> I also think like this is, I think the most likely trajectory for this one is maybe you get three close games and then the better team prevails, whoever that is. Right. Exactly. It's but, like you saw in the SKT Dam one game, right? Yeah. But I, I kind of think at the same time, it, it's weird because both these teams play so similarly that, I mean, maybe it is just blue side wins or red side wins every game and, like, you know, they have the same drafts and the same priority and neither of them have a pick that breaks anything open and we do just see, like, a long, you know, you know, slobber knocker of a match, right? Could be. Like, I'm not going to bet the five-game series, but, yeah, you know, it wouldn't surprise me either way. I, Something is... tells me we're just going to see the, who's the better team here and we're going to know it pretty quickly through, like, a game and a half. We're going to know who the better team is and, and they might lose a game, but that the better team is going to come out and crush I here. think people are just being a little too automatic on RNG right now, though. Like, mm-hmm. like they're good, but I think, like, don't underrate T.O.P. just because... Anybody that hasn't been watching the LPL, don't underrate T.O.P. just because they're a new team that you haven't seen. Like, yeah, this is a very good, good team. This is a good team and... Honestly, they, they remind better. me a lot of Griffin. Like they're a little less disciplined than Griffin is, but like they just choke you out with lanes. Like their lanes are so good that there's been no point this year when I thought that RNG was a better team than Top. Yeah, and that should and, say and, something because oh. you you're big on RNG. Yeah, and I'm, I my all of my faith in RNG is based on like, are they going to just like turn it on when it matters? And the only time we've gotten a chance to see that was in spring playoffs, and they didn't, and they just lost. They lost to JDG. <laughs> Yeah, and they haven't looked. They haven't looked that great overall. And all the value that I have placed in them is like, there's some chance that in playoffs they're just going to be like, okay, it's time to go, and they're going to turn it on. Not that we, I don't think we've seen anything to tell us that they're the better team. TOP are also, for what it's worth, TOP have played one less series. They're also going to have side selections, so that's something to maybe favor them for as well, or break ties in favor of. I, I, I'm leaning TOP here, but again, I need to rewatch RNG LNG to get a better idea. Because if I see some like really bad mistakes from RNG in that series. I'm going to be all over T.O.P. Neither 3-0 is going to surprise me in this one. That's my verdict. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, anything else? We go pick a week. Pick Let's go the, pick of the week. Pick of the week. So, oh, you guys already have yours. Why do I do this every week? I feel like I'm playing yeah. MC and I never I never have I never have my stuff ready. I sneak down there when you're oh, talking. Man, man. <laughs> I sneaked down there, baby. Took mine. Let me see. Uh, yeah, not a lot, a whole lot, not a whole lot to pick from this week. Yeah, it's really hard to pick, so Yikes. I just pick whatever. Let's go. You guys can go ahead and read yours. I'm going to pick one out. I went with uh, Shalka minus 1.5 against Rogue at uh, plus 104. I really think Shalka 3-1 is like a worst-case result for them. If, if I have to eat my words and Rogue just comes out and crushes them again, then so be it. But I just don't think it's going to happen. I think Shalka's got this. For Good, me, Chris. it's going to be SKT minus 1.5. I think we already talked about it. could be a coin flip game. could go either side. I think... Uh, so I'll be on the other side of you, John, but not your pick of the week. But I am playing it safe, I guess. I don't know how safe that really is, but um, I, at this point, I don't really see too much that I can feel confident in picking. I'm going to go with uh, G2 and Fnatic over three and a half maps at minus 169. I like that one. Fairly conservative, but I think given the... I don't want to say the lower stakes, but given the double elimination 
uh, factor for both these teams. I think there's a high chance we see some experimenting or that um, it's just a little bit of a looser series. Uh, alternatively, I love the over 29.5 kills in all three games in that series. So if you're looking for more of a side show or uh, more of a prop style thing than the maps, you can go with this prop as well. So I like that. I also like the over kills in um, Fun Plus Billy Billy. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of good options given the small slate this week, even though the side options aren't particularly great. Um, yeah, I don't know. Last week, so I'll just review. So we we all whiffed last week. Our pick, <laughs> obviously, obviously, our pick of the week got blown out last week because it was upset central. But um, so on the year now, I'm fourteen and eleven for plus three point eight units. John is twelve and eleven for three point plus three point four one units. Chris is twelve and eleven for plus six point two six units, and Calvin is three and nineteen for minus eight point eight six units. <laughs> Um, uh, as a cast, we are 41 and 52 for plus 4.61 units. So big hit last week. Took the three-unit loss, the the sweep, the reverse sweep, and we've actually lost <laughs> six of our last seven selections. So we got we got to get back on track this week. Hopefully fewer upsets. Or maybe people want upsets. I don't know. Where's Calvin? Calvin, Calvin wants the upsets. Calvin missed last week. He would have been. He should have been all. He should have been all over it. Was he all over Rogue? He might have been. What did we tell him he was going to be on last week? I can't remember. I think it was Sandbox. He likes oh, Sandbox. Yeah, yeah. Sandbox. He likes yeah, Sandbox. Oh, so not Calvin yeah. didn't have a bet. Don't count anything. <laughs> yeah, he 100% would have had Sandbox last week. So, uh, do sign offs real quick. Uh, I, so I'll I'll will open up. So I just um I just got back from Vegas. Uh, I had a great time. Vegas is crazy. If you just just go, just go. You don't even need to like gambling. I know it's a gambling podcast, but like you don't even need to like it. You can go. I didn't. I, I did very little gambling when I was out there. I put I put one ticket in at the sports at the Westgate. That's all I did. I didn't play blackjack. I didn't play poker. And I didn't play a slot very machine. Nothing. Very disciplined. Not even that. I just like so I was playing magic and I was hanging with my friends and Magic's you know we had a better time just going and seeing the you know went on the high roller and uh, you know we were playing in a tournament for most of it. We went to super nice dinner a couple nights. Uh, highly recommend uh, Bacchanal at Caesars. And the steakhouse at Circus Circus, which was probably the best oh, steak I've ever oh, had in my life. <laughs> uh, I think I tweeted out a picture. So, uh, Freddie, of you vegetarians out there, sorry, John. <laughs> uh, just good service. The craft is amazing. It was the place was it was just really really cool. Uh, I felt I felt like I was like Frank Sinatra walking into like <laughs> this like dimly lit, not like a not like a, a bar or anything, but it was it was it was really really cool. Um, Vegas is always a good time. I'd encourage everyone to go check it out, you know, whether you're gambling or not. So, uh, I had a blast. That's why I haven't watched all these VODs yet. Uh, I'm still catching up. I got a few more, um, a few more to go, but, uh, yeah, Vegas is great. The air is remembering. So, uh, for mine this week, I had a, a one because I get the same kind of message or question a lot about something. And I wanted to kind of clarify something, uh, with people. This one's not quite as funny as a lot of my sign-offs are, but I wanted to clarify something about, about gambling for a living. It, and and I, I hesitate to call it gambling because I don't think like the things that I've done, like poker, are actually gambling. Nope. But, Agreed. But calling it, uh, using that parlance. Um, so a lot of people message me, and they consider themselves to be pretty smart, and they think they understand the game that they're playing, whether it's sports betting or DFS or poker or whatever, and they tell me 
I'm going to go, you know, I want to go pro. I'm going to try it out pretty soon. Like, I think basically, I think I'm a pretty smart guy. I think I know what's going on and I'm going to give it a shot. And so I've had that happen to me a lot over like the last like 15 years. I don't know how long it's been. God, I'm so old. Yeah, like almost 15 years, <laughs> almost 15 years now. I've had a lot of people message me that not a single one of them has ever gone professional uh, that I know of. I don't think I, I know a single person and I've had friends in real life who told me they were interested and I told them I would even bankroll them on in some occasions and help them out to get started. Not a single one of them has ever gone professional. Um, and the number one reason why is because doing some of those things is not super hard. Like it does take a lot of work, but it's not super hard. Human nature is the biggest killer of all people that want to do any form of gambling for a living, yep. whether it's whether it's poker or sports betting or anything like that. The number one thing that stops people from going pro is a cycle that I see over and over again. I've never been able to talk anyone out of, even by being able to go like, bro, I've seen it a hundred times. I promise you don't do this. The same thing happens every time. They come in, they play their best poker. I'll use poker as my example. They come in, they play their best poker. They do really good. They make some money. Then they think they're really, really good. And they jump up at stakes. They put too much of their money into things. They buy a car they can't afford. They buy a house they can't afford. They buy something else they can't afford. They start spending way too much money at the strip club, something like that. Their money starts leaking out because they don't realize that their edge is not as big as they think it is. Even if they're very good, your edge is small and your job is to eke out small amounts of money as they add up. Uh, If you're playing games where you have $100,000 on the table, let's say, like a really big game, bigger than I've ever played. If you play a game where you have $100,000 on the table, you're not expecting to walk away from that game up $150,000 every day. And that's what people think. They're like, if I'm playing a game where I buy in for $200, I want to walk away from the table with $800 every single day. Like that's, that's not how it works. You're there to earn a fairly small amount of money comparatively to what you're playing for. And what happens is people go sit down, they buy in for two hundred, they make a thousand, they go home and tell me how they're the greatest player ever and they're gonna crush these games forever and they waste that eight hundred dollars. They just buy something they don't need and they spend that eight hundred dollars. Then next week, when they go on their losing streak where they're still playing the same quality of poker as they were before, but now the cards are running out bad for them, now they don't have a backup bankroll because they just spent all that money on a Polaroid camera they didn't need. Or whatever. <laughs> Polaroid. <laughs> Showing your age there a little bit, dude. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to show how useless no, the stuff I got that people you. buy. I got you. But uh, yeah. the whole point is the thing that stops people from doing this for a living is not that it's insanely hard to learn how to play poker correctly. Me and my wife were going to go to a casino once. I told my wife, I'll make you a little sheet of paper that's this big that will make you money if you follow the directions that are on this piece of paper. It's really not that hard. The, the problem is people cannot 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 help themselves Mm -hmm. they don't play within their bankroll they play too aggressively they start getting this thing a really common thing is poker is the better that people get the more they feel like they need to try to do weird quirky outplay stuff and then they just start losing because they're not playing the basic fundamentally strong game that got them there to begin with i've seen the same thing happen in sports betting People start making a little bit of money. They suddenly start thinking that they have an edge in every Me? game. Me? Yeah. They, they, <laughs> I've done this. I've gone through this. In every series. And so they start betting every single series, even though the way they made their money to begin with was identifying where the lines were really wrong and betting them. Now suddenly they think every game the lines are wrong because they think they're a genius. Mm. That is the biggest killer of everybody that's ever messaged me about this and none of them have ever been successful that's how hard this is to overcome like these are not idiots that were coming to me with this these are like smart guys 
who really knew who were in the industry, who knew what they were talking about. It's killed every single one of them. And even in my first like three years of playing for a living for poker, I went through this cycle a bunch of times. Yeah, I would beat the $10 sit and go games. Man, I'm moving up to $50 sit and goes. I crushed sit and goes, lose my whole bankroll on a downswing, yep. have to restart. It took me three years or so to, before I got where I was like, you know what? I've been through this cycle enough times now. I'm just not. I'm just going to move up to 10s. Yeah. I don't need to move up to 50s. And then eventually yeah. you start doing the right thing and moving up. So I think of, it was a long rant, but I think not enough people realize. They think they see some guy who did this for a living and he's like, they, they're like, I'm as smart as that guy. Like, I could easily do this. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It's about how disciplined you are, whether you can control your emotions, whether you can control trying to win it back when you're losing. Those are the kinds of things that you need to be successful, more so even than being smart about the game or whatever. This always reminds me of, uh, I'm sure you've seen Rounders, right? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Reminds me of, like, Joey Kanish, Joey Kanish, the character John Totoro plays in perfect. the movie, where he's, yep, like, exactly. Perfect. So, like, the character he plays, Joey Kanish as a character, is, like, this old, like, just table grinder. Yeah, just like, you know, buy for a dollar, sell for two, like just grinding, grinding, take your small advantages, don't try to get big, don't try to get famous, like if you're going to do it for a living, you got to grind it out, right? Yeah, don't try to get rich today. People think like, I'm going to get into pro gambling with a $1,000 bankroll, and at the end of this year, I'm going to have (laughs) $100,000. Nobody does that. Nobody makes 100 times their money. You know know what what the more accurate thing is? The more accurate thing is you have a $100,000, you have a $10,000 bankroll, and maybe you make... uh, you know, maybe 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 you make three thousand if you had a good year with like good. That's returns. exactly. If you, before you can start playing for a living, you need to be able to invest a very large amount of money. Like yeah. I think in spring, if you totaled all of my bets in DFS for spring, I think it's almost a half a million dollars. Yeah, mm. and yeah. I'm not making absurd money, and I put almost half a million dollars in play. Now I didn't have a half a million dollars. It's like it's, if you have it's, a fifty thousand dollar reinvesting it over and over but yeah i put almost a half a million dollars in play and i didn't make like a ton of money it it was good but i'm not i'm not a millionaire doing this kind of stuff so exactly uh so yeah so this don't uh don't get into this thinking you're going to buy in with a two thousand dollar bankroll the end of this year you're going to be rich that's how you lose all your money if you have a two thousand dollar bankroll expect to make four hundred dollars this year and be pretty happy about it if if you're exceptional at this kind of thing like people that do this for a living, I mean, there's there's a huge range of people and different styles and how people approach Obviously. this. But like, I think the general number that a lot of people agree upon is like between like seven and twelve percent return is very good, like like yeah. consistent, yeah. steady. But that's like your return on your total investment. So again, right. if you're putting a hundred thousand in, you're happy to make six grand in a year. Like that's 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 what we're talking about here, where it's like. It's it's all about and obviously like it, it it correlates whatever but you need to have consistent results over a long period of time to even get a number like that. Like obviously you're gonna have ups and downs, but yeah, like the all this is really, really good. That's why you know it's bullshit when you see somebody on Twitter and they're like, I'm up 320 units this year. Like if you talk to professional like betters for the most part, they're looking to make like 50 units in a year, 40 units in a year. Their units are just very big. Yeah, it also and just so depends they, on how people approach things too. Like yeah, yeah I don't know what you're saying. I don't know any professional sports bettors that are up 300 units, unless it was like some weird futures thing. Like, I don't know anybody that's up like that, but there's all kinds of people all over Twitter. Like, we're 39 and 0 this year on our bets, up 287 units. Like, <laughs> you're, being, you're being swindled, my friend. That's not how people do it. It's all about but, ROI, dude. It's all yep. about ROI, and it's all about the long term and identifying where your upswings and downswings are. Yep. Dude, where were you, John, when I needed you when I was young and foolish? <laughs> 
two seconds. I was the god of DFS and whatnot. <laughs> two second side thing, but for the record, this is also exactly what the stock market is. Uh-huh. The stock market is literally exactly like Correct. this. People that go in there and try to make a million dollars this year in the stock market are like very likely to fail. People that go in trying to get an eight percent to ten percent return on their money doing things safely could probably achieve that, and that's yep. the exact same thing you're doing here. It's, it's basically the same, exactly. same with any kind of variance based. I mean, you say, I mean, I know people that like trade cryptocurrency. It's the same kind of deal where it's like. Yeah. If you want to just, try to get rid of just trying to eke out small advantages, that's way more consistent than because it's repeatable. Yep. And sometimes you get lucky and spike something, and then that's good for you. And I should say achievable. Like anybody who went into sports betting with a $2,000 bankroll and has 100000 at the end of the year did not do things correctly. They got very lucky. <laughs> I agree. They, didn't, <laughs> they, they didn't got do really they, lucky. They didn't do what they were supposed to do, and they didn't do a thing that you can repeat and achieve the same results. If somebody went in with 100000 and made 20000 they probably did something that you can that you can reproduce and had a good year. Yeah, yeah, like that's so. Uh, Chris, you got anything? Oh man, uh, <laughs> listening to John is just giving me all that I need to think about. Uh, no, <laughs> life's been good. You know, getting back to school. I, was gonna say you're I know ready. I talked about like teaching, uh, but being teaching at my undergrad where i graduated that's even more fun when you get to see all the changes that they made all where all my tuition money went (laughs) (laughs) it's funny i'm just saying i'm telling all my students you're sitting on my tuition money right now (laughs) that's uh, awesome uh just enjoying the ride week one is typically low stress and whatnot and so um gonna be gonna be a quiet on the dfs front until worlds for me so uh, things I'll be transitioning to Mixer in the upcoming days. Nice. So yeah, that's pretty much for me. Nice. Uh, so yeah, you got uh, you guys have like a hurricane incoming too. Hopefully that's not too uh, bad. Yeah, that's just... not hitting South Florida, but it's hitting Central pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So just everybody be careful if you're down in the Southwest. Obviously, hurricane season is always real rough. But good. It's getting school started. You back at? I didn't know you were back at your undergrad. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, that's awesome. We got that to look forward to. We got some sweet playoff series to look forward to this weekend. Uh, I will be back in action, probably very active on Twitter this weekend. So um, I think wish everybody good luck, and uh, hopefully we have a better weekend than we did last weekend. <laughs> Let's get back to the right track. You know, it can only go double up from here. That's right. So everybody have a good weekend and good luck. The Gold Card Podcast opening theme is Clouds by Harvey and the Hendersons. The closing theme is Wasp in a Hat by the Tea Club. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Podbean to never miss an episode.